0: All right, folks, mule deer madness. Here we go. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive, and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Tines studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. This is episode number 112, stacking them up. Um, This week, I have got a really cool topic. It's one of the ones that is very near and dear to my heart, and to make it even better, I've got a back-by-popular-demand guest. So, buckle up. We're gonna talk mule deer in this one with my friend Tom Schneider from Stuck in the Rut. Tom, how you doing, brother? Hey,
1: good. Thank you for having me on.
0: Well, uh, actually, thank you for joining me because um, I I don't know if I told you this when we we kind of we finally met face to face at the banquet uh, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I told you this, but the episode that we did last fall for wolves was the number 1 downloaded episode for my show for 2021. Sweet. That's pretty cool. And and it was it, it's like it's like not even all that close. I mean, it was a it was a super popular episode. There was all sorts of buzz around it. Uh, I I got emails and messages and all sorts of comments about it and and people just super fired up about um you know the the is it called the wolf masterclass, the wolf hunting masterclass? Yes. Class? Yes. And, and it was, it just, it, it went over very well. It, it's, it was, I think it was a really good episode for the timing because of, you know, just going into that fall and winter wolf hunting season and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I appreciate you coming on and that brings us to talking mule deer, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm always up for talking wolves, but, um, one thing oh, yeah. we, we didn't, we didn't talk too much about was the mule deer masterclass. By stuck in the rut, and uh, I'm pretty stoked to talk about it. So thank you.
1: Yeah, I, I love talking mule deer. So I, I, I can go on for hours about mealies and my experience hunting mule deer. Yeah. It's, I have the bug.
0: <laughs> yeah, you and me both, man. I that's what I grew up on. Uh, you know, I grew up in Utah where where it, it's all mule deer. You know, you know, we don't mm-hmm. we didn't have whitetail. I've heard that uh, some whitetail have kind of moved down into that north north uh, northeastern corner of Utah, but I'm not totally sure. I can't confirm that. But um, it was it was all whitetail. Or I'm sorry, it was all mule deer. So mm-hmm. um. It's it's an interesting dynamic too, hunting mule deer where it's only mule deer versus hunting mule deer where there's a mix of Muleys and Whitetail. Um yes. and so maybe we could talk a little bit about that. But but before we get to that, I wanna I wanna just kinda scoot on back to this wolf topic real quick and mm-hmm. let you know. I don't I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh the there is this anti wolf hunting group out of Gosh, I think I, I want to say Jackson, Wyoming. I, I don't know. Some fringe group that is uh, super big on trying to get wolves relisted and, and uh, you know, always running these petitions and stuff. And they made you famous, mm-hmm. man. They took a picture of you. I, and
1: I think I saw that they did like, you see covered it? my face.
0: Yeah, they like, covered your face. They're called Wolves mm-hmm. of the Rockies. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I follow them because it's, it, there's, there's actually a lot I of saw, I, stuff. I
1: saw that you're following them. I was like, I assume yep. he's following them just to, just to spy on them a bit. It, <laughs> I, I do, man.
0: It. it is, it is super <laughs> interesting because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm working on a couple of different books. Uh, one in particular that I'm, that I'm working on, man, they could provide me content for just like an, an entire series. Mm-hmm. Of of misinformation, like the the real misinformation, not not like this new age political misinformation thing that's going around. Like it's it's yeah. real propaganda.
1: Uh that's scary. It's very scary too yeah. when you read some of it, because they they're they're pretty persuasive on um, mm-hmm. things, but they're they completely take out the real issues that wolves are causing, that's for sure.
0: Well, and they they propagate wolves in a way where like, they would be more believable if they would say things like, yes, uh, wolves do create some depredation on elk herds and or, uh, yes, wolves do kill livestock every once in a while, uh, you, you know, but, but they don't do any of that. It's all just mm-hmm. like, oh, no, wolves are great. Wolves save the environment. Uh, we're going to have a city on Mars because of wolves. Um and we're gonna end climate change and cure cancer because of wolves. I mean that's literally the message I get from them. It's 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 like so bizarre and so far fetched. And and what's what's disturbing for me is the people that fall for it. Like if you read the comments section, it's mm-hmm. like people are like, oh yeah, we need to relist wolves. This is bullshit. And, and, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know where they get this concept that wolves are the only important species on the, on the landscape and there's no need to manage them. It doesn't, it well, doesn't that's,
1: click. Yeah. I and mean, that's what scares me with these people too, is the fact they're so obsessed with wolves that they completely don't think of the other wildlife that wolves affect. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't think of the mule deer. They don't think of the elk. They could care less about them. You know, for a wolf, if one wolf dies, they panic, they freak out, they lose their mind. Yeah. But a wolf pack goes in and that completely wipes out a herd of, Let's say 30 elk, like, they're like, oh, it's just, that's just nature being nature. That's okay. Like, it's not a big deal. And, don't, they, and they could care less if you and I hunted elk. You know, if you and I are killing elk, they don't care yeah, about they don't that. Care. It's, no, it's, they're so focused with the wolf. They're just, it's like a narrow sight. They're so narrow sighted with the wolf that they're, you have to look at the big picture. That's what nature is. You know, you have mm-hmm. to look at the big picture with nature. You got to understand that. A wolf is only as good as its food source. If it doesn't have the numbers to 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 keep their population at at height, then you know not just the fact that mule deer and the elk are going to disappear, but the wolf is eventually going to disappear too, and then we're all lose. Yeah, every, we all that's lose.
0: that's that's the reality of the concept that they never seem to grasp. If if mm-hmm. a wolf pack. Wipes out its prey base. The wolf suffers worse than just some some. Uh, I can't remember what the numbers they quoted, but out of you know like 230 wolves in Wyoming, I I think 40 of them were killed or something like that. That's mm-hmm. that's minuscule. And and also to your point, what you said about if if a if a pack of wolves goes in and, and wipes out like 30 elk, that's not just hyperbolic. Um, statistical nonsense that you're throwing out that is the reality each wolf is responsible for approximately 20 elk per year that die for to support the wolf and so so it is it is just a bizarre concept to to sit there and put wolves on this pillar as if there's no consequences to no management as if management is a new thing too they act like uh hunting wolves is a new thing it's not a new thing native americans did it for hundreds of years because they were in direct competition with what uh, our, our, the, with the na- Native Americans required to live on the lands out here, and and mm-hmm. prior to them. Uh I never pronounced this right, but around the time of the Pleistocene, those giant cats that roamed roamed the uh, North American continent. That's that is what kept the wolf in check, those wolf numbers in check. This is why wolves have evolved to a point in, in to where they're such prolific breeders, sometimes upwards of around forty percent a year, and and th- that's why because everything has has always managed the wolf because wolves are so destructive that it's nature's way. Of handling that and they act like this is just all new uh, in terms of a concept it's just like this new thing oh man we got to protect the wolves no matter what no matter what the consequences are let's relist the wolves and protect them it's crazy anyway. yeah
1: i wish and i wish they would actually look at the studies that canada and alaska already has because mm-hmm. you know the wolves on our landscape has just been a decade you know since the in- reintroduction it's only really just been A true decade of us actually having issues. I mean, they've they're you know we know that they're released in like what was it 1996, seven around there. I'd like to say I don't have. 1995
0: was the the first year, and then there was like a series of others after for the next three years, I believe. Um, Don't quote me on that.
1: I'd say the I'd say the real wolf issues. Yeah, so that was about the time they were introduced. The real wolf issues happen were really starting to happen and everybody was starting to realize it like 2009 2010 even 2011 that's when yeah. things were really starting to snowball and get out of control um but you know we don't have the studies we're you know the one thing i notice, especially with those groups is they immediately threw out studies yeah. right off the bat like wolves changed the river it's like right <laughs> when they just introduced it it's like it's like yeah. you guys didn't even have enough time to really know that they changed the river even like i never heard about overgrazing until after I know. after the the elk numbers were disappeared it's like oh yeah we had overgrazing problems i'm like i've never heard of this overgrazing i've never seen this overgrazing issues like we had great elk numbers we had a lot of vegetation to support the elk numbers we had mountain line if we if we're worried about predators management we had lots of mountain lines We had grizzly bears. We have predators to manage our wildlife. Mm -hmm. Why did we have to throw another apex? But yeah, I mean, I won't get too far into it, but it's just like um, everybody's just so focused on the wolf and so narrow sighted. They'll do anything in their power to defend the wolf. You can literally put them in the middle. I mean, that's what I've always said this, you know, to these people. I was like, come up here. I'll show you what the wolves have done. Yeah. You know, ra- rather than sitting in your city in your basement, come up here. I will take you to these areas that once had good elk numbers. I, I will set you there. I'll drop you off and say, find an elk. I'll give you a week. Find an elk track. How's that? I'll even make it easier for you. Find an elk track. Yeah. In this area. This was an area, you know, this would be an area that we, there would always be multiple elk. You couldn't go a day without getting an elk bugle. You know, you would run the ridge tops, and you couldn't help but, as you're elk hunting, jumping mule deer throughout the hunt.
2: Mm-hmm. You couldn't
1: yeah. help but you're bugling elk and you'd have moose coming in and interfering with your elk bugle. We, were, we used to be mad about moose because we were like, oh, dang, moose messed up my elk hunt. They'd, <laughs> they'd come in, they'd be really territorial, you know, they're yeah, really territorial. They, they super are. And they'll just, they'll bump the elk out or they'll chase you. They'll try to chase you off because they're just like, no, get out of here. And now we're like kind of missing moves.
0: <laughs> we are, man. You we know? we are, we mm-hmm. are and yeah, it's it's so oh, they 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 simplify a very complicated issue. Yeah. Um, and actually I'm super distracted right now because you said something. I I got a question for you. Uh which mm-hmm. by the way, for, for those of you listening that that don't know, it, by Idaho standards, Tom and I are basically neighbors. He lives uh he lives about I don't know, 45 minutes, maybe an hour north of me. Mm -hmm. um up up here in the panhandle of idaho and uh which which brings a whole bucket full of questions i have when we're talking about like this predator management thing and like grizzly bears Mm -hmm. and uh other things that you deal with in unit one there but um that that could be maybe we'll bring that up later but Mm i i I do you just brought up a, a, a point with moose and how territorial they are um I, I came off the mountain last night after uh, after bear hunting, and I, I came back early where it was still just kind of light enough I could see. And I got down to the bottom, and uh, there's a cow moose out in the meadow, which is actually the meadow that butts up to my property where I kind of came out. I don't want to give away too many details. With mm-hmm. With the cow moose was four cow elk, and they're all like – looking at each other they're not like grazing they're not they're not you know getting aggressive or anything like that but they they were just kind of hanging out looking at each other um have you ever seen that before it, it, it's i tried to get pictures but it was like just too dark for an iphone
1: no i've just had them chase them off like I've yeah but i've had them too just where they will that you can't get them to leave I've had cow moose chase out bull elk. Like I'd have a nice bull elk coming in and I've had straight up cow moose come in and chase them out. They are just, you know, pretty ornery. But I actually, funny you say that I, the other night I actually had a very aggressive cow moose came in at me. Um, I think she had a calf on the ground or something, but she was not happy. I was around. (laughs) I was like, were you out bear hunting? Yeah. Yeah. So by, uh, so I don't know if you saw that photo. So, I'm a good friend of ours. He's one of the youth from our church. So Travis took him out and helped him shoot a bear. I heard the gunshots and we had service up there. So I called and I was like, Hey, Trav, do you give a was like, yeah. So I was like, Oh, sweet. So I'll head on over there. And I was like, I'll just walk. I sure there's like a little further trail, but I'll walk, you know, mm-hmm. so that they don't have to drive over and pick me up. So, you know, so I was just walking over there and and then I got this little clear cut I was like, and it was right at the elevation you normally find moose sheds, you know, mm-hmm. and yep. the snow has melted. So I'm like, I better zigzag this cut. Well, in this huge draw, I'd say it was about 300 yards away from me. I was hearing the most horrific sound. And I thought it was sometimes if you're like in the mountains and you can hear like, you know, you can hear a highway. It could be 20 miles or 10, you know, 15, yeah. 20 miles away. And you could hear the echo of the highway down low
0: especially if it was super clear yep yep
1: yeah so i was hearing this sound and it almost sounded like a semi way out in the distance you know and i was like what is that sound but then i was like holy crap no it's on the mountain with me and it was like a uh," and i was like why is that sound like that is not a bear (laughs) i have no clue what that is well i was just walking and just still zigzag and it just got closer and closer I'm like, holy crap what is coming in at me and i'm like fairly quiet like it rained a ton just like not that long ago so everything was fairly quiet like i wasn't you know when i when i was walking through the brush it didn't sound like i was making a lot of noise but something can hear me and it's coming right at me and i was just very uh, confused in what it was well i see this like Gray, I was actually kind of not off colors that I would think of a moose. It was really off color, like a light gray, but it still had its winter coat on, Mm -hmm. still shedding it. It just came running right, you know, right toward me. And it's, but I yelled at it, stopped about 20. It was about 20 steps away. So a fairly still comfortable distance. But from how far it was, the first time I heard it, for the, how close it is, I knew I'm like this is no good.
0: Yeah, she was coming at you, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, so huh. she was coming. So she stopped right there, and I yelled. And, and, you know, first instinct was not moose when I first saw her coat because it was super light gray. And she did a bark almost oh, like I was crazy. like, oh. So like a like a bark almost like.
2: Uh uh-huh.
1: First impression literally was wolf because I just it was really thick that you know I was in like a. The clear cut was probably, I'd say the trees were about 15 years, about 15, 20 years old. And so the trees are fairly tall. And so I could see i could see the body through it, but I didn't exactly pinpoint what it was. But when I heard the bark, I'm like, do I have a wolf on my hands? I'm like, no, that's weird. So I pull up my uh, by nose to look through the brush and I could see it's a moose. I could see the ears and stuff,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I couldn't get her to leave. And, and I was like, well... I have the pistol on my belt and I haven't like practiced a lot with this. So I was like, well, I'm just like, I saw a little dirt mound right next to me. I was like, I'll just shoot that dirt mound and, mm-hmm. you know, try to chase that cow moose out. And so I shot that dirt mound. She kind of trotted off to the right. But I was yeah. like, man, that was, but it was so weird. Cause it was like, why would she travel? Like, even if she had a calf, why would she travel that far to confront me?
0: <laughs> I don't It's it's crazy, man. Like uh, a a cow moose with a calf makes me a lot more nervous than uh, pretty much anything else, other than maybe yeah. a mama grizzly bear. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, they're I've, mean,
1: uh, man. Like if I if it was wolf, I'd have been excited. i would like, sweet. Yeah, you're oh, dead, yeah, yeah. I, That's a dead wolf. Yeah. Like, but but no, a cow moose. I know that I'm I'm not in a good spot, and you never want to. I never want to shoot a cow moose ever. I never want yeah. to be pushed to doing that. But we, I mean, just living where we're at we've had our fair share of encounters with moose travis had his snowmobile trampled a couple years back <laughs> really so, up yeah, in alaska no no here oh it was here yeah, wow yeah here
0: yeah that's uh, yeah they're they're dangerous suckers man um mm-hmm. it's 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 always ai uh, have i've had a few encounters i i came through uh like these these super thick pines one time and <laughs> in fact i was mule deer hunting Um, and I, I, you know how you kind of put your hand out and move the branch as you're moving so it doesn't Mm -hmm. whip you in the face or whatever. And I, I kind of, it's like you're swimming through the tree branches and I swam through these tree branches and came out the other side and I'm, I'm no kidding, nose to nose with a bull moose. And I, I could like, I could, I could really smell him and like his breath and, and he's probably eight inches in front of me and Mm -hmm. like, it scared the crap out of me, man. And he just stood there and looked at me, kind of licked his lips, and I'm like, okay, well I'm going back the way I came, which was a bad idea because it was so thick in there. If he'd have charged, I had I had no options. He was so close I couldn't raise my rifle, and mm-hmm. so uh, I I just backed up and and he just kind of as I when I when I got through the trees again, I kind of knelt down. I could see his feet, I could see his legs, you know, under the brush there. And I think he was just kind of telling me, "This is this is my living room, and you're not going any further." And oh yeah, uh, but I mean that was a that was a bad situation. And so I I love running into moose, except for like what you said, they are territorial. Um, mm-hmm. I I have seen them chase mule deer. Um, I they're just uh, but they're a super interesting animal, and and I think you know, not not to get us back on the wolf topic, um. I, I see a lot less of them nowadays, man. A lot less yeah. of them nowadays. So, yeah, anyway.
1: that's unfortunate. Yeah. They, they're they a cool animal. They share a lot of the same, well, and you brought it up too, they share a lot of the same territory with mule deer too. I mean, moose, like when I find sheds, I'm finding sheds close to the same elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, still to this day, the biggest mule deer sheds we've ever found, our family's ever found, it was a big mule deer buck following moose. Oh, no and, kidding. Yeah. So he was, the moose would dig up the brush and it was really deep snow. I mean, you're talking a little like, I'd say was almost close to waist. It was, uh, it's like between the kneecap and, and the waist, you know, about that uh-huh, uh-huh. that deep. But the mule, that mule deer buck, you just, he didn't want to pull down any farther. And so he just followed moose all winter. And and he would just go into the next fresh patch that the moose would dig out, you know, because the moose will dig up uh, that waxy leaf snow brush. Sure. And, and the mule there would just be right behind him. Well, long story short, Trav found the one shed fresh laying on top of the snow. And then he he followed the – he actually followed the blood trail, the dripping of the, the blood. Uh-huh. Of the mule deer button, and he he was able to find the other side. So he had, oh, cool. he, so Trav found both sides, and the thing it's humongous. It's like we are true big timber buck set. <sighs> so if, I I mean, in the back in my mind, I can't I, I don't remember how many points it has on it, but um oh yeah, we actually did bring it to the Salt Lake show.
0: Oh, did you? Um, the this, the ships.
1: This, Yeah. Well, we. He got it mounted, and so he eventually got it mounted with a really pretty cape. Oh, nice. That he pull, pulled off a buck in Montana. Um, so he shot a really big, like a like a big old mule deer in Montana, but the genetics were like, he's just not a good genetic buck. Sure. So Travis actually passed a better scoring deer to kill this big buck that was like, you could see was old, he's mature, he's wide, but just he didn't have score. Yeah, and, he wasn't scored. And and so I was just like he's like man but this cape is so gorgeous he's like he's like I feel like I need to do something with this I was like what about that sh- those sheds you found a couple years ago you've been wanting to mount those it's like this is the perfect cape for it it's just a big old buck and he's like oh yeah I'll do that and it turned out gorgeous absolutely gorgeous
0: nice um, man that's cool yeah I love yeah. that kind of stuff that's awesome yeah huh yeah okay well that that's a good way to kind of transition into this uh this topic and. Mm-hmm. okay so let me let me set the stage though uh, mm-hmm. for for this because the like you said you you've got the bug yes. um mule deer are a unique thing in terms of like there's there's people that are you well let me put it to i don't think you get this with whitetail as much mule deer you have people that are like obsessed with hunting mule deer you have you have some people that are just kind of you know, they'll, they'll take a mule deer, you know, over whatever, but they're not that enthusiastic about it. And then you have people that just absolutely hate them. Yeah. Um, I, I have been watching recently a lot of your YouTube videos, the stuck in the rut YouTube channel, um, specific, uh, specific to the mule deer hunting, which, Mm -hmm. which, uh, for, for folks listening, if you guys haven't checked it out, uh, it's, it's really good because it's, you guys, you know, you tell the story, and and it's just it's really educational. And this is coming from a guy. I've I've killed some nice mule deer in three different states. Um, I'm no spring chicken when it comes to mule deer, but I realized when I watched your videos that uh, I think I'm starting to figure out what I've been doing wrong a lot. Um, mm-hmm. because I'm really good at finding mule deer. I'm really good at um kind of getting into areas where i have opportunities but when it comes to sealing the deal uh i I don't have a fantastic you know success rate on them um Mm -hmm. especially in this north country where where the the I, i don't know it's it's not that different but there there's a lot of nuances that change when you're like hunting mule deer in north idaho versus southern idaho versus utah versus colorado uh, I've yes. never haunted, uh, hunted Montana. I took a really nice mule deer in Washington once. Uh, this was, in fact, it was my best mule deer. Um, I don't know. T- gosh, seriously, like 12, 14 years ago. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um so, you know, I know why I'm passionate about mule deer, and and I I do sometimes obsess about them. I I, I and I'm not taken away from whitetail in any way. So, you know, nobody take it that way because I, I love hunting whitetail too. But, mm-hmm. um, my my root hunt, the the hunt that that gave me the passion for hunting in general, all stems from mule deer hunting. And I, I can you talk about where yours comes from? Where where does this passion come from? Did you guys grow up hunting mule deer? Did you? Is it something you got into later, or is it just something about the animal in particular or the country they live in? Talk to us about like how how you got so passionate about mule deer.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the whole rundown. So I, I I think you you brought up white tails, and so a little bit, and so that's kind of where I started off, just because as You know, when I first got into hunting, you know, I didn't have a driver's license. And so our mule deer where we live, they actually live at a particular elevation of the mountains. You know, you and I talked about like, you know, places like Utah, Wyoming, there's mule deer from the bottom all the way to the top. Yep. But here it's not like that. Mule deer actually, you know, you have to hit a certain elevation of a mountain to actually find the mule deer. Any lower, you're in whitetails.
0: You you know what's funny? Like uh, my buddy down in Arizona – it's totally opposite down there where the mule deer are down low and, and like the white tail are up high.
1: Oh, those kids white tails. Yeah. 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 So anyway, <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, but so, yeah, I got into that because just, it was the convenience of it, you know, t- white tails and turkeys was, it was very obtainable for me because I live in the Valley. Thankfully, you know, I had land uh, between my parents having land and some other people I would, you know, I, I could drive on the floor there. I can easily get to the woods yeah. and to public land. We actually live right on the border of public land at that time. So it was nothing for me to get to the mountain. But for me, you know, I was just focused on the whitetail. But then I felt like more or less when I got to like the age 16 and stuff, I always had that desire to kill a mule there. My dad had has killed multiple giants over the years you know along with his friends and so you know these all these old timers that him that he hunted with and stuff they all have just piles of these true 30 inch mule deer that everybody dream, you know yeah <laughs> and and so that's kind of what i wanted to do um i think the one thing uh i i will be honest and saying which i feel like people can relate is I did not start off as a good mule deer hunter. It didn't come naturally to me. Yeah, me so, either. so when I first got into it, I, oh, this story, I'm glad the buck's still dead, but um, it wasn't me that pulled the trigger. But I was, I'd say I was like 13 years old, possibly 14. I think I was about 14 at the time. And, and my dad, you know, and I already had a couple nice whitetails, you know, in under my belt. But mm-hmm. I thought it'd be really cool to kill a mule deer so my dad took myself my older brother my older brother already had a few mule deer down in you know he was you know if I was 14 he's he's always 2 years older so he was probably 16 at the time. And, and so we made our way up this burn and it was just the picture perfect everybody's dream. Here's a big muley buck with a group of does and and two about two Feet of snow, about a foot and a half of snow. There's just a gorgeous scenery of just that big buck and the does. And I just could not hold my gun still to shoot it. (laughs) (laughs) Been there. (laughs) I was was like a 14-year-old kid, shaky, and I couldn't hold it. My dad's just like, Travis, you got it. So he looks at my brother. He's like, Travis, you got to shoot that buck. It's going to get away. He's like, okay, dad. And so he pulls up and he shoots it. It is cool because I got to watch it tip over and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so I got the that full experience of, you know, hunting a big mountain buck like that versus, you know, hunting whitetails in the valley. It's just a completely different animal. And and seeing a big rutting mule deer with a big neck yeah. and just the rack to, you know, mule deer, like their racks versus their bodies is just Big, you know. I think just, a lot of
0: it's so much more mass. It's just yeah. everything is thicker, bigger.
1: Mass it, and yeah. height. And yeah. and and most whitetail hunters that I know, when they first get in the mule deer hunt, they end up shooting a small mule deer because they're so used. Because whitetails grow forward, you know, they wrap around yeah. and then they jail bar. But a mule deer grows up, and so it puts all it's all energy going up. So even a small mule deer is it like looks taller. Huge. Yeah, it looks taller, but they, they don't realize that it's just grown up. So there's nothing growing forward. So you can kill a two by two, but it's still taller than any five by five white tail. Oh yeah. And so and so I even myself, when I first killed my first mule deer, it was it was a decent five by five. But it was funny because my dad still laughs to this day. because um, I finally did get my true mountain or I I did I finally got my mountain mule deer, my first one uh, under my pocket. Um, or, you know, the notch on my belt felt when I was about 15 years old and my dad, I shot it and I got walked up to him. My dad was down the hill. He's like, how big is it? And I was like, it'd be really big if it was a white tail <laughs> 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 and That's how my statement was. Um, but where I got my first real big meal deer is when I drew a moose tag. And so I did draw a moose tag for Idaho, mm-hmm. and and so I, I was spending time in the mountains hunting moose, and and I you know I came across a group of mule deer with a really nice buck, and it was the same the, the seasons overlapped, and I had a mule deer tag in my pocket, so I sh- I shot that buck, and and that's kind of where. I felt like I started to try to like, that's where I started to figure out, okay, so this is the type of elevation, the terrain that mule deer live in. And then I think it just came the desire. I wanted the desire to be a mule deer hunter. I was already obsessed with elk. I think elk was like my top of the list in killing elk, Mm -hmm. like elk first mule deer was like second, but then I just, you know, there was those guys that would pull big bucks off the mountain every year. And I just like, and then, and then all those old timers at the big I'm like, man, I want a mule deer. Like, a, I want to be a good mule deer. Yeah. I want to pull big bucks. Yeah. Just the excitement of being up in the mountains, in the rocks, walking around a, a big draw and seeing a monster mule deer. Like, that's just, there's no feeling like that. And so. I just picked these guys brain apart and I just, you know, and then it's just over time. Just I pounded the mountain in my twenties, like crazy amount, too
0: much. Like, I don't
1: know. Is there such thing as too much?
0: No, that doesn't exist. It's like, that. Yeah. remember that country song? that was like, there's no such thing as too much fun or whatever. It's yeah. kind of the same thing. There's there's no such thing as too much time in the mountains.
1: Yeah, they're probably right. But the, the thing was, and I felt like this is where I really felt like I, I'm, I started realizing I actually know mule deer was when our mule deer population was starting to decrease, you know, before there was a time where it's like, okay, like my early twenties, if I just pound the mountain and just hit the mountain hard, a big one's eventually going to mess up. and I'm going to kill it. Mm -hmm. But then it came to a point where there was like our mule deer population was dropping so rapidly because of predation issues that even some of the best mule deer hunters that I always looked up to stopped killing mule deer. And so then I I, rather than just pounding the mountain hard, I had to start using my brain a little bit more
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and like, okay, like obviously just pounding the mountain is not enough. You got to actually know the routes, their corridors, everything. So that's when really I started learning about mule deer was when I found out like if I want to still keep killing big bucks Nothing, and i've i mean i've got a pile then you know even in my 20s like by then i had a, quite a few big ones down yeah i was just like but if i want to continue this route and continue enjoying the older hunt i need to i need to change my tactics a little bit and i did and i was still it, it went from like several guys you know there's always that group but there's this handful of guys that can kill big muleys in our unit then literally i mean uh Maybe I'm exaggerating when I say this, but I felt like I was the only one still killing a big mule deer off the mountain. Like, huh. all those guys that I looked up to stopped killing them. And I was like, okay, I think I got something going on here.
0: Yeah, you figured it out.
1: I think I, yeah, I figured huh. it out. Like, I've gained some techniques. Well, then, on top of that, we've done some traveling, too. So, like, I don't want to just hunt here. I want to try hunting Utah. I want to try hunting these other places. So, if you're to watch our Stuck and rough videos, we've hunted Utah We've done the rifle season and mm-hmm. the archery season of Utah, and these aren't hard tags to get. These are
0: no man. That no, there, there's there's a great tag in Utah. I I, I would never mm. say it over the over the air here, but
1: right exactly there is a
0: stellar tag in Utah mm. for a very specific mountain range that I mean is just dynamite. And yeah. I I just I wish I could tell people about it because nobody really the locals know about it, but mm-hmm. and so I don't I don't want to like you know burden them with a bunch of non-residents but it's it's awesome All right.
1: yeah well I, I we had non-residents and residents where we were at there it was just there was a lot of people mm-hmm. um but again like we just we knew how to hunt mule deer and so even in this unit like when we first hunted utah we pulled a really nice buck out first opening morning really and but then we saw everybody else coming off the mountain And they weren't coming off with the same quality of buck that we did. But people were hunting that mountain differently than we were. And well, then, you know, then I hunted, well, not just Utah, I've hunted Colorado. My biggest buck to date is in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's see, where
0: else? I didn't see the color. Did you guys have a, is there a YouTube video on the Colorado one? Yes, yes. Oh, I must have missed that one. My my favorite one so far, just for your information, is that <laughs> I think you're in North Idaho here.
1: And oh, yeah.
0: you're you're in the snow and the buck is following your tracks. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he about <laughs> runs you over after you shoot him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's That's that probably my
1: favorite video of all time just to be able to capture that so Yeah. Well.
0: That was it was that that's what I think makes it extra magical or something, but uh, that you're alone and the, the, your ability to catch that footage is pretty incredible because I fail every time I try to get video of, of these hunts, but Mm -hmm. I don't know how you do it, man.
1: Well, that was like my Colorado. I was out solo. That was an interesting deal too. So, um, the story of that is, so I, I did pick up a Colorado tag and it was like one of my friends recommended it. It was like, you know, this is one of the easier tags to get in Colorado. But I think he, he said, you know, Colorado. Sometimes that people overlook these units, and so yeah. Um, so I was like, he, he kind of recommended this tag, and they said they see like if you work hard, you'll pull a nice buck out. I'm like, okay, sweet. So I I ended up getting this tag, and um and then I went to hunt the unit. But at the same time, I made a promise to a friend. I was like, hey, if you draw it, you know, this was the promise I made like three or four years oh. ago.
0: Oh, i know what video you're t- okay 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 yeah so you probably know. yep
1: yeah so he uh i promised a friend i was like look if you ever draw this tag in southern idaho i'll uh i'll help you with your mule deer well he drew that the same it, the season kind of around the same time of my colorado tag and he called me and i kind of forgot that i made that promise to. <laughs> he's like <laughs> hey guess what i drew that tag i'm like oh oh i promise oh oops oh yeah and oh yeah and so I was just like well I guess I could just make the route you know and so I realized well I'll go to southern Idaho and then I'll just go right to Colorado right after that
0: and, yeah okay I did and, see I saw both those videos
1: yeah okay, okay. yeah and so and so that was one road trip that was a pretty fun trip because we went there and and that was you know no time he pulled you know he's, he's never killed a mule in his life and so one day I went with him and you know, tell him a little bit about mule deer. Tom about shot placement. And well, in long story short, first day being out there, he kills a one. Like it was like a one eighty seven, one, yeah, around there. I I had an old Walmart tape, so I don't know how good that was, but I I came off with one eighty seven gross. Uh uh-huh. um, but it was yeah, just a it dandy. It was a monster. Buck.
0: Yeah, I remember. I, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, and then. Um, then I went. I was only with way Colorado, but I'm like, well, I actually got a couple of days till my Colorado season starts. Like I, I wasn't expecting to fill that tag the first day being there.
2: Sure.
1: And and so I hung out with a good friend of ours, and you know, he let me stay at his place to let me, you know, um, let time, you know, fly or just uh, kill time for a couple of days until my Colorado season started. And he's like, hey, you know what? Like the um, archery. The archery mule deer tags going on right now. I was like, "Oh, sweet. Like, but I didn't have the tag, but he did at the time." So I was like, "Okay, like I'll just go with you one morning." We went up in the mountains. And I was just blown away about Utah, you know, cuz it's like we just left the city and boom, there's a a one like a high 190s inch mule deer chasing does. Mm-hmm. I was like, "You got to be kidding me." And I felt like it was like it would have been a dead buck, but he had to, he's like, "Oh, I have to actually go to work at noon." I was like, "We're not going <laughs> to get to that buck." like you know i was like you're gonna have to take off work if we're gonna kill that buck but he like bedded down with the does and you could he was just right below this ridge top and i feel like he could have just peeled right over mm-hmm. i was like i was just like oh man like it was the perfect spot in stock opportunity and well anyways he like I just, yeah, he's like yeah i guess i gotta like i've been putting off these people for a while i got i gotta work and so I was like, okay. And then the next day, the that oh, buck left the does. Oh no. Yeah, but it, it made sense. it was early mule deer season. So well, it was like like November. No, it was like October thirtieth. And so those mule deer were just starting to rut, you know. And mm-hmm. and those big bucks, they're roaming. They're looking for does and heat. So they he didn't he wasn't going to spend much time with that group of does. He was just passing through. But I mean, just when we saw him bedded down, it was just, it would have been the most ideal spot on stock. Um, huh. But anyways, then, then I headed to Colorado and, and what was nice with Colorado is, you know, I did still have some extra time to kill and I just spent those couple of days just learning the area, scouting it, learning it and met a few other guys hunting there too and I just you know sometimes I just like to keep in contact with these people to see how their success was sure with the unit and and so yeah same thing I it was kind of a weird deal where first day I went in there and killed a my biggest buck
0: yet yeah man that's the one where you're you're like staying in a in a hotel or something like that yeah and and you go yeah and you go up and and that and that was a stud of a buck man Um, uh that was weird what was that like a 350 400 yard shot or something like that on that one
1: yeah yeah Yeah, it was okay yeah 450 on that one so
0: i so i take it back i did see that video um when it, when you first said that, I, I wasn't sure that I'd seen it, but yeah, I watched I watched the one that where you hunted in Southern Idaho, and then went straight to Colorado. So okay, cool, yeah. Yes, L- that was that was info. a good road trip. Yeah. That is a good road trip. That's a great road trip. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And
1: then we hunted Wyoming a few times too. I I do really enjoy hunting Wyoming, um, Montana. I say the two main states we hunt the most is Idaho and Montana.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's just kind of the most like and that's just more or less for the convenience of it you know I wouldn't consider yeah I wouldn't consider it as being the best mule deer units that we hunt but it's just the most convenient and you know you put in your time you kill a big buck yeah and and so that's just how it is and and I do enjoy hunting terrain and country especially if you know the corridors the routes and you know you learn a lot about the mule deer that live in those
0: areas so how do you find that Information and and learn that. Or, or is it is it through scouting, is it is it through just kind of understanding on a broader scale, like you know, behaviorally how how mule deer are going to behave or mm-hmm. uh, how they're going to travel, you know, this time of the year versus that time of the year. Uh, kind of, can you walk us through that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, a lot of it was like experience, but then also I think the biggest the biggest help, obviously, I think is people that have already gone through and get doing the homework. And so like my dad and all of his old timer friends that just, they've been hunting mule mule deer for years. And so they understand routes. They understand the, um, everything about mule deer. And you know, when I just talking to them and learning so much from them, it just put me in a different level of my skills and how to hunt and kill mule deer. Mm -hmm. And then at that point they're so old, like they're not hunting mule deer anymore either. And so they're just kind of, just kind of passing off to somebody that they, they know and they respect, which is our family. Um, But you know, that's what it came down to is like, for me, what made me a really good mule deer hunter was being a good student. And I learned a lot from my dad I've learned a lot from these other guys. My dad doesn't hunt mule deer like he used to, too. He's he's more of an elk hunter. He just doesn't, like, mule deer doesn't always taste the greatest. So he's like, ah, mule deer don't taste that good. And and obviously the mule deer quality is not as good as back in those days. Like, I can kill a big mule deer buck, 180 plus. And if I show dad, dad's like, eh, that's all right. I've seen bigger. <laughs> like, Oh, wow, damn. man, like, just, a, how just would that congratulations be? would be good. <laughs>
0: can I, can I ask you something on the, on the taste? You said you mentioned something there. Um, what, what is it that I, cause I've never been able to explain this or, or I, I don't have any reason why. Let's take a quick break to give our show sponsors some well-deserved love. Let's start with Scree Extreme Mountain Gear, high-performance hunting attire and gear, scientifically tested camel patterns, complete layering systems... And in my opinion, the finest merino wool products to keep you warm, dry, and comfortable. It's all backed by a great company. Some of my personal favorites of the in the Scree lineup are the Hard Scrabble pants uh, for early to mid season, and then as it gets colder, I switch to the Kodiak pants for late season. The Bridger glassing mitts are like game changers, and I love the Nebo rain gear. Scree offers great packages on the website as bundles, like the Elk bundle. That will completely outfit you for your favorite hunt. Oh, and my favorite part, you won't need to refinance your house to get outfitted. Try the starter bundle for less than 500 bucks. It's an insane deal. With the VIP sizing guarantee, you can exchange something that doesn't fit for free. I just had to do this for something that I got my wife. It was a little big, so I just sent it back. They covered the shipping both ways and exchanged it for the right size. So go to Screegear.com and at checkout, use promo code TheWesternHuntsman for 15% off and free shipping phelps game calls one thing that i love about companies that are born out of hunting is their story like phelps game calls the american success story that walks us through how something started small and grew into something big like phelps he started this company kind of as a hobby in his garage in 2009 now a little over a decade later phelps is one of the premier hunting call companies on the planet for good reason they're the most realistic calls on the market and that is saying something. Check out the amp lineup. For predator calls like the POR, one, two, three pack POR123 or the fawn in distress, check those out. Turkey calls, get a diaphragm, a pot call, or a box call, and a complete line of waterfowl calls. Hit up the website and at checkout, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Phelps game calls, get them close the elk collective the best investment for hunting success is what's between your ears having elk hunting knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while against those who notch tags every year there's a very fine line there and there's a perfect amount of time if you're listening to this now to get through the entire course before september improve your chances with a virtual course of over 140 videos that cover things like how to get elk tags throughout the west scouting and e-scouting beginner to advanced elk calling, gear, fitness, nutrition, shooting processes, hunting scenarios, strategies, and tons more. They've got some very big names on this platform that give you their personal expertise as you go through the course it's the best way to make you the best elk hunter as you get into the woods so go to the elkcollective.com and use promo code the western huntsman for twenty dollars off it's normally eighty nine bucks so when you use my promo code it's going to be the best sixty nine dollars you've spent on elk hunting and i guarantee you it's worth every penny check it out guys Hoffman boots let me give you guys a piece of advice from a dude with many miles on his feet never skimp on quality hunting boots Hoffman boots is a fourth generation family-owned company based in North Idaho I've been sporting a pair of Hoffman's for close to a decade particularly I like the Hoffman Explorer in the 8 inch in my most humble opinion again Hoffman offers the most comfortable hunting boot that does the least amount of damage to my feet after several miles on the mountain very little break-in period on these boots by the way uh, I took them right out of the box and went on a crazy elk hunt, not even a blister. For hunting, they have the Explorers and the Summit boot offered in insulated and non-insulated. And ladies, check out the new Women's Hoffman Explorer 400. They also carry lineman boots, winter pack boots, logging boots, and hiking boots. Get totally outfitted at HoffmanBoots.com and at checkout. As you know, it's coming. Use promo code, all caps lock, huntsman 10 for 10% off last but not least Tacticam if you're interested in self-filming your hunts whether for you know memories or making hunting content check out the Tacticam products like the Spotter LR Tacticam 5.0 and the film through scope system, all of which are available at the WesternHuntsman.com which helps support our fight against the anti-hunting movement. But my favorite is the Tacticam Reveal Cell cams. I use these cell cams all over my property and I'm like obsessed with monitoring the wildlife in real time with these cameras. They not only text me instantly when a buck or a bear is cruising through, my reveals make for excellent security systems. I know when the FedEx dude is delivering packages way down at the bottom of our driveway. And I also know if some knucklehead shows up to try to steal him. I know when someone's trespassing or if I have the kind of wildlife roaming around that I don't want, you know, like a coyote. And uh, I quickly react with my cat like reflexes. Great for trappers, great for hunters, uh, security, anything, guys. Check it out at Tacticam.com because I don't have the reveals on my website right now. Uh, let them know I sent you. Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. There there are some mule deer that just don't taste very good. I mean, let's face it, they they just, I don't know how to describe it, real sagey. A lot of people Mm -hmm. like to say gamey, but I don't even know what gamey means. Uh, I I think that that's just a description for for maybe, uh, you know, folks that maybe don't eat a lot of wild game meat. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's different than hormone-pumped commercial meat that you get at the grocery store, right? So, um, but with mule deer, and I, I have one theory on this, maybe that actually isn't my theory. It comes from a biologist I, I spoke with. But um, you, you know, with mule deer, especially the the, the super high country sagey ones, there mm-hmm. is there is kind of a almost skankiness to the meat. It's edible. Mm-hmm. It's good. It like it's it's doable, but it's nothing like a like, like I've never had a bad whitetail. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's the advantage you have with whitetail. Uh, the, like I and I we, we've killed a lot of whitetails in this family, and and I've never had a bad whitetail. I have the the buck, the mule deer I killed in 2014. Man, that was a raunchy tasting buck. But the mm-hmm. the muley I shot last year, um, not much different than the whitetail. And so it's, it's really good. And I'm, and, and meat care wise, I did the same exact thing. I get the hide off immediately. I butcher it out myself, all that kind of stuff. But I, do you have a take as to what makes the difference in terms of the, the outcome of the taste? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And, I, and then I don't actually, um, I don't really know on that. All I can think of is just how much they roam and travel. I mean, it's usually the rut and bucks. I've never had issues with a good taste in meal deer if I kill them before the rut yeah. but if i kill yeah. him like during or even like late rut i mean that buck is hardly edible the dogs won't even eat it <laughs> <That And> so- <laughs>
0: could be the difference. i think it, it was that one mule deer in 2014 was the day before my birthday so november 9th is when i mm-hmm. killed that one yeah so i don't know i don't know I, i'd love to get me, to the bottom yeah. of it Oh yeah, but for me,
1: I I don't know. I don't know if it's just the fact like I just love hunting mule deer, and it's something. If you kill your own, if you kill an animal, like it tastes better to you know for you than it does for other people. For sure. Like if I if I kill like a big mule deer buck, I'm gonna be proud. I don't care what that thing smells like or tastes like. I'm just like. It's like the reward that I'm, I'm making a it.
0: burger, man. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. And
1: yeah, then yeah. my wife's like, you're, you're going to eat yeah. that? I'm like, yeah, it's great. Like, I don't know what you're talking
0: about.
2: I know, and man. Eat,
0: and, and then you're eating it and reliving the, mm-hmm.
2: the
0: hunting memory. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I'm glad we see eye to eye on this. But my mm-hmm. my wife and I, we kind of go back and forth sometimes because she gives me a hard time when I want to go mule deer hunting. Because it's, it's between the two deer. I love hunting whitetail, but there's nothing like a big majestic mule deer and mm-hmm. you know a lot of that a lot of that comes from you know the i'll tell you the the coolest mule deer scene i've ever seen and and i think that this just kind of exemplifies the the majestic nature of of a big mountain mule deer a western mm-hmm. uh, a western mule deer is just like it, it for me is just it's like the king of the west, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. I and not taken away from elk or whitetail or anything, but as a kid, I, I'm I'm probably 12 years old. Uh, we're we're fishing at this lake in Utah. It's called Strawberry Lake. A lot of people listening. Um, we have we have a lot of listeners in Utah, so a lot of them are gonna know. Um, well, what what they did years ago is they they kind of busted this dam. Um, for, for the other side, gosh, what the heck was the name? of it? Johnson Creek or Soldier Creek. I can't remember the other side, but they can, they, they combine these two big mountain lakes. This, this lake is sitting at about 10,000 feet elevation, great cutthroat trout fishing. And in between those two lakes, when they, when they combine them and b- bust the dam is these, uh, they call it the narrows. And the narrows connect the two lakes, and they're like these canyons of waterways that you can kind of get to the other lake and and then move back to the main Strawberry Lake. And now it's all just Strawberry Lake. But we're fishing in the narrows, and this big uh, four point he he not he didn't have a ton of points, but he was a great big four point buck. And this could just be my twelve year old mind. But today, when I think of it, I think of a two hundred inch plus buck. Um, mm-hmm. could be just an exaggerated memory, right? He comes walking down the, uh, the the east side of this this face down to the narrows, down right down to the water. And we're watching him. We're in a boat. And um, he takes a drink out of the water and then goes right into the water and swims right past our boat without acknowledging us for a second. Didn't care. Didn't have a care in the world that we were there. This is um, late August, and the velvet is just kind of coming off. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like like it looked like he had just kind of rubbed a lot of it off. He swims across the 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 narrows, the waterways in such a way that um, it kind of makes this big island uh, that you can't really tell it's an island. But if you know the lake, you know, it's an island. Swims across, gets out on the other bank onto the island side and walks. It's probably an 800-foot elevation gain up to the top of this and just kind of casually walks all the way up. And he crests the top and he's standing at the ridge line, right at uh, right where the, the, just the sky meets the mountain. And there's these quakey trees. There's, there's some darker timber. But he's just standing in a way where he's just silhouetted against the, the western sky. And he's just mm-hmm. this monster, and and he just kind of disappears into the dark timber. That it's that that speaks to me when it, when, when we talk about mule deer, I think of that buck every time. Mm-hmm. I, I think about that. I wrote an article about that buck once, um, mm-hmm. and, and I think of that buck. And I think that it is it is that kind of majestic thing with mule deer that gets me, and and why I'm so attracted to them. And I like you said, I don't care really what they taste like. Because the adventure that comes out of hunting these bucks is unlike any other hunting experience you'll have. Just like elk, you know, mm. you you hunt a running running elk in September, that's one experience. You hunt a uh, running whitetail in November, that's one experience. You know, a bear in the spring is a, is a different experience, but but mule deer is, is a very unique experience in its own. Yeah. Uh I don't know where I was going with that, Tom. Other than I I just I, they're they're special to me, and so. Yeah. I,
1: I kinda have a similar well, like a similar one. I did talk about the burn, seeing that big one in the burn. Um, but here's a like I'd say this one's a little bit more recent within within six or seven years ago, there was a buck. Oh I mean I've killed a lot of nice bucks, you know, between that time, but this one in particular sticks out in my head kinda like what you were saying. Like it's that memory that just mm-hmm. sticks with you so deep. And um this is like what I was talking about like with where you would expect to find a big mule deer buck, like in the steepest nastiest ugliest mountain <laughs> <pretty much. laughs> and, and it was an area where I would actually see mountain goats it's i mean it, just to describe the, the steepness of the area so it's like it's a mule deer sharing the this mountain with mountain goats oh yeah and so and I just I made my there's just one of those mornings where I was just pounding the mountain I'm like you know and it's kind of a, you know, talking about corridors. Um, this is not an area they spend, um, you know, summertime. This is not an area they winter. It's like, it's that middle ground. And so for me, and just to give an example of what you can learn in the Mueller masterclass, I've learned where they summer and I've learned where they winter and I've learned where they like, if the snow hits this particular, you know, level, in their submarine grounds, they typically pull to this particular spot. So you learn these things, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And and so, seeing the snow elevation and seeing what the weather was doing, I was convinced that they were right there on that particular side of the mountain, sharing that side of the mountain with the mountain goats. And so, I, I made my hike that morning, and it started, I started at the bottom of the mountain where there was actually not even snow on the ground yet. But as I hiked my way up the mountain, This, then I was in a skip of snow. Then, you know, as you increase your elevation before I know it, I was in, you know, decent amount of snow and I got up in the, you know, above timber line, got up to glass and morning rose. I, I just, I always have a grunt tube hanging on the side of my arm Mm -hmm. and I just let a couple grunts out and I caught a glimpse of a deer come out to check me out and then he headed back into the dark timber and and so i moved into the dark timber with them and it led me to a herd of mule deer within i'd say it was about 100 yards away i could see a bunch of does oh, wow. and and then i saw the buck and he was chasing a doe on her tail and i had the video camera with me and i was hunting solo but it's one of those deals where i'm like okay I don't have time for the camera. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, like that buck's gotta, I got to drop that buck. Well, I shot and, mm-hmm. and I, stro- I shot the buck. It was just one of those ones. Those are the best ones. The ones you don't even have to. Yeah. You're just like, you don't have to feel judges. You don't have to say that, Oh, is that 25 inches wide and over? Is that, you know, is that 27? Oh, is this forks? It's just like you see, you're like, oh my gosh, that's a shooter. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. shot, disappeared. I walk over. I, I run over there really fast i'm looking around i'm like i see the does and i see this younger four by four i'm like no that's not the one i saw and about i kid you not about three steps away from me in this brush patch he stands back up like you know injured but a uh-huh. good shot is just it was just such a quick shot he didn't have time to die and i'm just like hip shot finished him off right there nice. but i said when i when I shot, and he was running away from me. He just kind of like he was stumbling <clears throat> into this brush patch and I see the stickers, all the stickers on both sides coming out. And I'm just oh. like, My heart was racing because I knew I had a big buck dead. Like hit you know, I see him stumbling going yeah. down the mountain, but I'm like, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I killed a big buck. And oh man. And and you know, it's just like that memory of him running off and seeing the stickers on both sides. It's just like that It's amazing stuck in my mind but that that rack and that's actually one of the cover like if you look in the mule deer masterclass, that's actually one of the cover photos of me holding that that black chocolate mule deer rack in the snow that's him right there so that's kind of like that's kind of like the main you'll see that photo it's kind of like the main photo but i just never got a good video of him just because of how rushed that whole scenario was and i was hunting solo at the time um and back then, you know, I just felt like GoPros weren't the greatest. They've they've GoPros come a long ways now. Sure. And so now that more recent video your photo your or sorry video you were talking about of me capturing that big buck I shot with the GoPro, mm-hmm. um, you know, the older GoPros would have not captured it that well. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just I kind of chucked the old GoPros, they're just they weren't that good for hunting, but now these new ones are much better better quality and so you can capture the whole hunt and so any of you guys that are like thinking of actually getting into filming i recommend keeping that gopro in hand you know because video and you know for us yeah obviously we have a youtube channel but i just like it that i have memories to bring back to my children you know when they're older they get to watch these hunts i wish i got to see those hunts that my dad and all his buddies have had over the years and killing those big muleys yeah for sure it's like I wish I got to watch those videos. I, I love the fact that I still see their memories on hanging on the wall. But I mean, how awesome it would be to see those videos of those big bucks kill, that they've killed? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I really like I, these I, tacticams for that. Yeah, because I, mm-hmm. I can I can shoulder mount them. Yeah, um,
1: heard, I heard those are really good.
0: They're they're good for that. Um, because you know the the GoPro is nice because if you put it on your head. Uh, it's not super heavy, where the Tacticam gets a little heavy on the head, but the right. head sometimes doesn't get the right angle. Uh, and and I'm dude, I'm a total layman when it comes to filming, so I'm I'm, I'm not really talking from uh, you know vast amounts of, of experience here. But I do I, I like the Tacticam with the shoulder mount, and it comes with this this uh, this grip mount. What the heck is it called? I just I just used it tonight. Uh, anyway, it's in my truck, I guess I should actually grab that and recharge the battery on it. Um, and so I can, I can attach that. Like if I'm calling it a bowl, I can attach it to a tree branch and it's got this Mm -hmm. wide angle lens. And so it catches everything. Um, there's so much technology out there that, that makes this stuff more viable. And if nothing else, it's like, you know. If you ever played like high school football or something and the coach is making you watch all these videos of the game, the last game, so we could figure out what this team does or what we did wrong kind of thing. It's the same thing mm-hmm. when you when you film some of this. Uh, and that's what I like about it, is I can go back and I can watch the footage and I can I, I could can see, okay, you know where I screwed this up is right here where I step out and I'm not in the shadow anymore. I'm I'm right in the sunlight, that's why that bowl buggered out, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot with this tom but can you can you tell me when it when it comes to mule deer hunting big big mountain mule deer bucks what you're out there you see a lot of other other, other hunters you see you get some feedback what are some like major mistakes that people make on on uh, mature bucks
1: um shop placement or just finding them
0: just finding them finding them I think a
1: couple mistakes people make is they'll pound the same spot. They may know a big buck is there, but they'll pound it too hard. And the big buck will sense that there's hunting pressure there. And not just the fact that does will leave, but the big bucks will leave. The one thing that people don't give credit for is mule deer are actually fairly smart. You know, we I think a lot of times we see mule deer and they're frozen in their tracks and they stare at you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially and so those everybody, younger bucks, yep.
1: Mm-hmm. So the people give the, they get the impression that mule deer are dumb. But here's the reality. I think that's just like they don't have like quite the flight response. But the, here's the thing with an elk. An elk can take off running, but I can cow call and get that bull up to stop. And I can mm-hmm. get a shot off. A mule deer, as soon as it figures out what you are.
0: There's no stopping it.
1: There's no stopping a meal deer.
0: Yeah, I would agree with they that.
1: They don't stop. They're just, they're out. Like, as soon as they figure out, they just want to make sure to figure out where you are first. But big mealy bucks, they'll literally, and people don't, people don't do this or don't think this. They'll literally leave the canyon. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're gone. And and they'll be, they'll, sometimes they're gone for two, three weeks. They might not come back and visit that group of does.
0: And so, um.
1: Okay, so, so I've I think. have
0: been guilty of that, Tom. I. I've been totally guilty of that. I and I, I think I've even fessed up to this uh, on the podcast before. But um, it was like the year before I started this podcast, I missed a monster buck, and it was one of those things. He was this big mule deer. (sighs) Okay, I'm just gonna, I'll admit it. He's like less than 80 yards from me, Mm -hmm. and I missed. I shot right under him um because i i got so excited uh, this this big monster you know mule deer had come out i'd kind of pattered him i'd seen him from very far away before but this was when i i kind of i moved into where i knew he was coming out because the does were all down to my right and he would come out of the tree line to the left i was right mm-hmm. he did uh he came down a little lower than i thought but he came out and i made a shot on him and totally missed and i spent the rest of the season trying to redeem that shot on that same buck, and I passed up some other decent bucks and never never tagged out on a mule deer that year because I was so obsessed with this one. And I think that it it is exactly, to your point, what you said, is when I made that shot, that sucker changed zip codes and never came back.
2: Um, <laughs> Good event, yeah.
0: You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. he just... Uh, I, I've had this discussion too in the past And, and my, my opinion has kind of Changed through the years over the last couple of Years where I used to be of the Opinion that like there was nothing dumber than a Two or three point mule deer buck uh, mm-hmm. When you compare it to the flight response Of a of a you know One and a half or a two and a half year old whitetail There's like no comparison The whitetail yeah. don't give you a chance um, I don't think that that's an intelligence Thing though I, I think that it's a uh, It's just a natural Behavioral thing and, and then I used to argue that, but when that buck hits three and a half or four and a half years old, he becomes smarter than the whitetail three and a half or four and a half year old. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that it's, again, I don't know that it's an intelligence thing. You know, it's kind of like politics. Uh, I, I always love to, I, I like to, I like to create um, ruckus with politics and it's fun for me to debate it. But people always look at like if you're a Democrat or a Republican as as if that's there's some kind of intelligence thing. It's not an intelligence thing. It's a philosophical thing. It's a belief thing. It's a principle thing. It's an ethic thing. It's not an intelligence thing. And and I kind of have, have learned to apply that to like the difference between whitetail and mule deer bucks. There is this there I don't think that one is smarter than the other. But man, there is I don't know that you find something that is more savvy than a four and a half year old Mule Deer Buck. Would you agree yeah. or disagree?
1: If he's if he's dealt with hunting pressure in the past, he knows how to get out of there. He knows how to avoid people. Um I mean a big a big white tail can do the same thing too, I would say. But Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, but just those big muleys that they know how to get away from people and I mean, it even comes to the point, too, especially during the rut, where these big mule deer know when to stay out of an area. Like, for example, there's there was one particular area where there was always a very good, healthy group of does, and, and the does were always there, and that buck would always come in just – Right when you least expected it, it would be probably middle of the night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you'd see his tracks. So he would just go in. Literally, what he would do, it was such a, like like I said, a lot of people hunted that area. But I saw that track, and it looked like a calf moose track. I'm like, oh, my wow. gosh. This thing, thing's beast, you know. But he would go in. He would breathe the does at night. And I would try to get there first light, but he was already out. And he would he'd leave He'd leave the openings, and he would head for the deepest, darkest hole out there. But he would keep doing that. He would go back, and every night, like, it would be a fresh gift of snow, and I'd see his track. I think the only time I saw him, I was walking up the mountain, and I was getting fairly close to the mule deer elevation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And as I was getting up the mountain, I see these eyeballs looking, you know, like, <laughs> in my in my flashlight. And I could see these eyeballs, and I'm like, oh. That better not be him. <laughs> and, well, anyway, so I, but I was like, not quite to that meal deer elevation where I normally find the does. And well, then after the sun rose and I cut back down right where those eyeballs were, there was his track. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Oh, that had to, that was, and good. I just, and that, yeah, and it
0: was just. That's so fantastic, too. Yeah. Um, so Tom, mule deer masterclass. I, I so mm-hmm. for for those listening, what's what's funny is uh, I asked Tom to come on the show, you know, and he misses back. He's like, "Well, you know, like how late can you stay up?" Mm-hmm. And and I <laughs> I think my response was something like, "Tom, I, I'm a night owl man. As long as we start before midnight, I'm good. So we're we're burning the midnight oil. I don't want to keep you too late, buddy." Oh. Um. Yeah, was, but can yeah, we can we talk about the masterclass for a few minutes? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, like um first of all, where where did that because you kind of feel the void, man. There's a lot of content out there uh you know, surrounding elk hunting. There's a lot of content surrounding mule deer hunting. Um you know, turkey hunting. There's not a ton of um Mule deer stuff, there's not, there's, there's just, There. there's, there's like uh, a couple of podcasts, like they'll do the, the Muley Monday Madness or, or what, I don't know, they, there's a ton of different names for them, mm-hmm. and where they focus on a lot of, of mule deer stuff, but it's, it's mainly conversational stuff like you and I are doing, like people will pick up some information out of this episode, where it's like, oh, okay, I need to think about that, and maybe apply that, that was weird, so I mm-hmm. record, I, I record in my hunting trailer, um and all of a sudden the water pump turned on. There's like a ghost in here or something. Anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> and there but there's and, and they'll get they'll get some you know real vague information out of this. Like we talked about some of the biggest mistakes. Uh, I think you you nailed that one too by the way. Um and I'm guilty of that. Like even recently I'm super guilty of what you what you said in terms of mm-hmm. uh, some of the biggest mistakes. So point being, there's nothing that really dives deep. Like, I, I'm involved with the Elk Collective, and the Elk Collective mm-hmm. is super, super deep, intuitive, um, very uh, broad-based information. Like, it's not elk hunting 101 or 201 like School of September that we do mm-hmm. on this show. It's like it's like 301, 401 kind of stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's nothing mule deer like that until this stuck in the rut mule deer masterclass comes about. Tell mm. us a little bit about what you f- feel like people can expect with this class. Cause it's, um, let me pull it back up. It's not that much money. What is it? Like 150 bucks, 160 bucks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like a hundred. I think I have it listed as 147 right now. Yeah. 140,
0: yeah. 147 right there. Okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, it's it's not it's not super expensive. There's a ton of information in it, and I, I and I'm speaking. I have I, I you know just as a precursor or whatever, so people don't take me the wrong way. I haven't been through it, but that is going to change soon. Um, I, I want to go through this because I I feel like I'm a pretty competent mule deer hunter, but I am not like master class like Tom Schneider at stuck in the rut, right? And I I want to mm-hmm. get to that point because I'm passionate like you are about it. What can we expect in this course?
1: I think one of the biggest things I wanted to achieve in this course is to simplify the comp- the the difficulty the the difficult part of mule deer hunting. And so, um, you know, when I went into it, I'm just like, how can I teach? And I'm not saying this in a rude way, but like, how can I teach the most simple-minded person Me. about how to kill? a big mule deer buck.
0: Dude, and I, so, I get, <laughs> I, I am entertained by cutting my toenails. So you're, you're talking, <laughs> this, this is for me, man. Simple mind, yeah. man.
1: Yeah, exactly. so it. for me, and it's not just like, so for me, I'm not trying to teach about how to hunt just any mule deer. Cause I think anybody, I think anybody can really go out in the woods and kill a mule deer buck. Oh yeah. What I'm trying to teach is try to kill the big buck, the big buck that's eluded other hunters. I, you know, For me, if you actually look at my record of mule deer killing, I don't draw incredible tags. I'm still putting in for points for those big units. Mm-hmm. But if you looked at every buck I've killed, I'd say 80% of my big bucks have been on public land, do-it-yourself. General tag, I can buy these tags every single year. I'm competing with other hunters out in the woods. Um, some areas, I go so far enough back, I'm not really dealing with other people. Other areas, for example, like if you're, when I'm hunting Utah, Colorado, I'm dealing with what you probably know as the pumpkin patch, or oh, yeah. there's a blaze orange <laughs> vest on every hill, <laughs> but I actually use other hunters to my advantage. And so you have to think, so for what I try to do first is I try to put everybody in the mind of a big mule deer buck. Why, what does he do? Why does he do what he does, you know, and try to find him? And that goes all the way from finding their sheds, from starting to get trail cam, setting trail cameras up in the high elevation, start getting their summer trail cams from the months of August and September, explaining the transition because they start to go a little bit more nocturnal. People will notice as soon as they start losing their velvet, explaining that. Mm-hmm. I'm just really just trying to keep down and just explain people, first of all, just laying out the big muley buck and how he lives. Big bull elk are the same way they actually in a lot of cases. I mean, cause if you look at a mountain, there's a lot of food source for a mule deer from the bottom to the top. Yes. So, so it's the question is, is why does he choose the food where he does? Right? Like, and so I teach you about that. Um, we, we go on about the rut and the rut. I love hunting the rut too. Me too. And just the behavior of the rut. Um, Shed hunting. Shed hunting is fairly different than any other animal I've picked up antlers. Um, like literally when I when it comes to shed hunt for mule deer, they're literally actually in a lot of cases higher than the moose. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, really? And in some cases, yeah, I'm finding mule deer sheds higher than the moose sheds. I'm finding, which seems pretty crazy. But and it, that just depends, that all depends on snow conditions. And I go about that too, because sometimes it's not about how deep the snow is. It's about the snow conditions themselves can change the elevation of a meal there. And so we go through that too. Um, And then the, probably the biggest thing that a lot of people really don't consider is the art of timber pounding. The art of timber pounding is, is something that everybody should know. And, and even my friend, uh, so a really good friend of mine, um, who has guided Wyoming, Idaho. He's, he's, he's got quite the business. Um, I was talking to him about my hunt in Wyoming and how, when the sun was up, you know, the sun was up and it was warm out. The mule deer obviously going to timber to bed down. Well, a lot of people just like if the mule deer are timbered up, they're just like, Oh, I guess there's nothing out in the openings, you know? So I guess Mm -hmm. we'll just wait till evening. But what people really don't think about is, well why aren't you going in the timber like that's where the deer are and so for us and where we live our area is 90 percent timber and so we're actually where i grew up you're actually doing most your hunting in the timber so they're feeding and bedding in timber so you learn the art of the timber pound and how to spot mule deer before they spot you and and where to find them too because you're not you're it'd be great if you can glass them up here but you can't um so you have to really know, like, based on weather, where the mule deer elevation is going to be at. Unlike if you go down to some more open country, you could be at two, you know, you could be at 3,000, 4,000 feet in elevation, but you can glass up to 7,000 feet in elevation and see a big mule deer buck. You can't do that in timber country. You have yeah. to know, based on snow conditions and everything else, and what elevation of mule deer is. Otherwise, you're going to put in a lot of miles and not have much luck and and so i teach the art of the timber pound but also too we have a lot of experienced class and we've hunted open country too as well and so but we've you know but we've taken that timber pounding technique and we've used it also in warmer you know the times of the year where it's a little bit more warmer the deer are not out feeding but there's a time and place too right sometimes you don't want to go in and bust them in their bedding area if you got a big buck pattern You kind of just, it's sometimes good to just be patient and wait for that big bug to mess up. Mm -hmm. So we we go through several different techniques, tactics, and how to hunt mule deer um, from calling. And a lot, see, you said it yourself. There's not a lot of information on mule deer.
0: Yeah, there's just not.
1: There isn't. And I've called in mule deer. I've used scent on mule deer. And it works. And people don't know that. People Uh don't know that those things actually work on mule deer. I have rattled in mule deer like I've had a white tail. And so knowing how to use that, how to use the technique of rattling grunt tubes, like those all work on mule deer and they work very well if you do it at the right time of the year. And so those are, a lot of the things and, and it sounds like I'm giving a lot right now, but I'm just giving you a fraction of what's actually on the course. Just saying what well, I'm saying. Well,
0: and that's that's kinda that's kind of what I'm getting. Um mm-hmm. is, is you're you're just so what you're giving me is a taste of what I could learn if I was in there mm-hmm. and and it's it's really motivating me to get to get this thing because I, I just I I am sick of um I'm sick of mediocre bucks. And also, I think that if more people took this course, it would elevate all hunters, you know, in a sense. I I think I said this before we started hunting, but there's a lot of hunters that know so little about mule deer hunting that they actually end up screwing it, not only for themselves, but for everybody else. And so if, if more people had some of this information... I, I just feel like it would help everybody. Um, I want to read a little thing, a blurb off of um, the website, which by the way, guys, is stuck in the rut mule deer masterclass dot um, which I'll have in the show notes. Uh, but this this little blurb says most hunters understand time in the woods equals su- the successful harvest of their mule deer, but there's a huge problem. Dot dot dot. The problem is. Instead of relying on proven tracking methods, they're relying on word of mouth. They're trying to catch a tip for the good spot, but are always a step behind and never walk away with a mature buck. And I'm going to skip a little bit because there's a line here that I think is uh, really critical. They're not considering their target buck's animal patterns. Um, I, I struggle with that, Tom. I, I, I struggle with patterning one particular buck. And and that's what I want to master. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think I think a lot of us do. I I, I think a lot of us do that are that are into mule deer. Um, I have a <laughs> I have a customer up in your neck of the woods, up there in Bonners Ferry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he told me. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't hunt, I don't hunt mule deer. They taste like donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what he meant by that. But yeah. uh, anyway, it's it's funny. We we've got uh, we've got you up there and I've got him there on on two different sides of the fence. So, um, I only say that so that the folks listening, if they're not super passionate about mule deer hunting, I don't want to pack the woods with people that aren't passionate about it. Mm-hmm. But if you are, I feel like um, I feel I I feel strongly. About this course only from the sense of an outsider looking in because I've watched since last time we spoke, um, meaning last time we recorded, not not at the banquet there. Um, I've watched a lot of your videos and I've come to understand that uh, somebody who may have been somewhat confident in their mule deer hunting skills has been very humbled by watching your videos. Because I now realize that I'm I'm doing a lot of things wrong, um, and, and I want I want to stop doing those things wrong. So that's that's kind of my uh, what uh, what do you think? Is that a good sales pitch? Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's genuine. That's all. I, mm-hmm. all that's all I could say. It's 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 genuine. So.
1: And I can give you some of the reviews that I or just talk a little bit. I mean, I don't have them in front of me. I wish I did. Um, but a few probably the biggest reviews. So. With inexperienced hunters, they, they've learned a lot. It just kind of gives them, you know, a good foundation in how to hunt mule deer. But my, the ones that mean so much to me are the guys that are experienced. You know, anytime i really experienced mule deer hunter buys my course, I think there's a little bit of anxiety that comes in. It's like, oh, like, what's that guy going to think? But I've actually had very positive reviews saying, like, wow, like, it's just kind of like what you said. Like, you know, he's like, there's something that the mule deer always did that didn't make sense to me. But as soon as I took the course, it totally made sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, I think we all have those moments in the woods where there's something we don't question and maybe it's a question, but we just kind of put it aside. Like, Oh, why did the elk do that today? I don't know. Like yeah. why did the mule there do yeah. that? But then we put it aside, but then all of a sudden you, you learn about something. Like, oh crap. Like I have always wondered that, like, that makes total sense. And a lot of, you know, like, It's, it's things that, you know, even myself, I had to learn that from some very experienced mule deer hunters. The only, the unfortunate truth is though, we all only have a period of time to where we're too old and we are crippled. And so for me, like if I tried to learn this all myself, I think I would have been, you know, by the time I feel like I finally figured out mule deer on my own, I think I would be in my sixties or my seventies. Yeah. But the reason why. I've have the knowledge and I say me, it's our family. Like, you know, when I put this course together, although I'm doing all the talking, this was a family group effort. Like this is my dad who's killed big, big muleys throughout Montana, Idaho. Um, you know, he taught me a lot. His friends have taught me a lot from family. And so this is all their knowledge and my knowledge all combined into the course. And that is what, you know, for me, I feel like I've gained a lifetime of knowledge of mule deer hunting. Now, do, am I saying that I know everything about the mule deer? (laughs) No, but doesn't that make, (laughs) like, I'm, I'm still a student. You know, we all are.
0: We all are. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great mentality.
1: Exactly. But like what really felt like the time when I finally realized, and even other people were saying it too. my brother was, he's like, you know, well, I don't even say my brother, You know, a lot of people that are close to me and know me and who I am, all have encouraged me to do this course because they're like, "You can't you freaking know about mule deer. Like, (laughs) like, like like you're, you're the one still coming off the mountain with a big buck every year." And they're, and I'm not hunting the same areas. You know, I have never killed a big monster mule deer buck in the same spot twice.
0: Oh, that's interesting to know. Yeah, and so you think,
1: so if you think. You think people, you know, I think we all do that, right? So if you kill a big buck in your in an area, let's say there's one spot where you go to, it's a little opening, and you kill the big mule in your buck.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I think naturally as a man, you're going to want to go to that spot every single year, right? Dude, yeah, like, I've,
0: I have killed I have killed mediocre mule deer in the same one-mile radius uh, many times, and it's not getting any better. Like, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. That's what I'm doing. That's yeah. why I'm killing mediocre bucks, so, mm-hmm. And that's why I look at, you know, like, like when it comes to whitetail expertise, I look at my buddy Troy Pottinger. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure you know who he is. I, I don't know. Oh, he, yes. He's a fellow North Idaho guy, right? So, so mm-hmm. if I, if I want to learn about big, mature, public land whitetail uh, bucks, mountain bucks, I, I call my buddy Troy Pottinger. And mm-hmm. he's got these boot camps that you can attend and, and learn in a day, you know, kind of what his secret sauce is. But when it comes to mule deer you're, you're the guy, you're, you're the guy I look to, um, because you, you, you have a consistency and, uh, a, a discipline about you that, that just, you know, you're, you're successful with these, these big mm-hmm. mature, you know, mule deer, I almost said whitetail there, heaven forbid, mm-hmm. um, okay. <laughs> but, but anyway, so, so that's, that's kind of the point. And, um, I, I think that that is uh, again, it, it is just one of those things that's been lacking, and, and that going into into depth uh, w- with with these mule deer and the behavioral things. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Tom: Do you do you feel mm-hmm. like so a lot of us, you know, here in North Idaho, know that uh, this is going to be very applicable to them? Is this mm-hmm. going to be uh, the, is, is this course applicable to folks in Wyoming and Utah and Montana, Washington, Oregon, uh, Arizona? Anywhere we, we, we could find mule deer.
1: So, where, this is where I'll say where it's probably not most applicable. So, the area, I'd say like Arizona, New Mexico, most likely not, those desert mule deer. Yeah, they're, um, they just, are different. They
0: are they different. They are different. Yeah.
1: But I would say this, though. So, because when I, I was in my, I mean, it was early in my 20s when I really, um, well, I, I was still killing bucks up here, but I was going to school down in southern Idaho in the sagebrush country. And when I was finding those mule deer buck in the sagebrush country, you know, for me, the first instinct, like, or my first thing in my head was, I'm hunting a different mule deer. But then I realized that's a false statement. I am hunting the same mule deer. It's just the terrain is different. And the weather's different. It's all based on terrain and weather. Do you
0: talk about that in the course?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, I do.
0: Okay.
1: And then, and then, like I said, too, if you, like, we have spent a lot of time hunting areas, like I said, in Utah, Wyoming, um, Colorado, and these areas, and I know it sounds weird when I say this, but what's the best way to explain this? Let's say a guy does like a 50-mile marathon, but then all of a sudden he has to compete in a 20-mile marathon. Isn't he going to do much better in the 20-mile marathon than the 50-mile
0: I mean, you, you would think it just, you know, you would think.
1: Yeah. So I'm just, I, maybe I'm, this is a bad analogy, but for me, it's easier to hunt these other places because we hunt in probably one of the hardest places to kill a mule deer up here in North Idaho. Yeah. It's one of the tough, it's one of the toughest places to kill a mule deer. Like first choice (laughs) for me is, like I, like, I hunt here because it's convenient, and I still have, like, my – I still have my North Idaho mule deer buck and, and Northwest Montana. You know, yeah. I hunt those areas very hard because I grew up here. I know these areas. But if I get a tag in Wyoming, which I, I, I do this year, I think – I think I am. Oh, I'll have to see. I, I think the drawing results are out, so I better check. Um, yeah, I
0: think if they're not, they're they're going to be soon.
1: Yeah, so I got to check that. Um, so I, 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 do already, I do have Montana. I do have Idaho tag. Um, I possibly, I'm going to have Wyoming. Um, I'm going to have to see with the leftover tags with Colorado, but, um, oh shoot. I totally forgot my train of thought. Oh yeah. So those areas, <laughs> again, I got it. Those areas, even though these are areas I, I like spend way less time than I do up here. I have a way better chance in killing a big buck 180 plus in those areas. And the reality is, is when I I keep track of these other really skilled mule deer hunters in these other units, they're not pulling the quality like we are. And some of these guys are locals, you know, like like these locals of Wyoming aren't pulling the quality that I am out of Wyoming. Hmm. And so that's saying that I am doing something a little bit different than they are. Um, Possibly they're not doing the art of the timber pound. Um, here's a good example. So that Colorado hunt, you know, I, there's there's sparse, there's like areas like I'd say it was like 50% timber and 50% openings. And sure, I killed that mule there in the open country, but I kept a contact with a few people in that unit, and you know, and I'm like, how's it going? And none of them were having success. Like, and and I, and they're like, oh, warmed up. They weren't coming out in the openings anymore. And I'm like. Well, did you check the timber? And you're like, well, no. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. And so, like, they didn't really think of like, well, no, like it's like kind of a foreign concept. I feel like to a lot of people, actually, like, okay, well, if they're they're pulling into the timber, hunt the timber. Well, then also you got hunting pressure too. Where do you think the meal they're going to pull? They're going to pull in the timber or in places it's a little harder to get to. Yeah. Um. That's what I'm saying is you have to treat, I think with any animal you're hunting, especially a big buck, you have to treat them like they're the most intelligent animal on the mountain. If you look at a big mule deer buck and think I'm hunting a dumb animal, I'm just going to road hunt and try to find one or, you know, you have to get in the mentality, at least get yourself in the mindset that you're hunting a very intelligent animal. Yeah. Now, yeah. sure, you can, see a, you can see a mule deer doing fawn all day long, you know. But to, in in a lot of those areas you can't hunt a mule deer doe fall, so of course you're going to be comfortable around people. Mm-hmm. But a big mule deer buck that has avoided hunters over the years, there's a reason for it, and you got to find out what that reason is. And and so if that
0: if that yeah. makes no that totally any makes
1: sense, sense with them. Yeah. And I think like for me, and I think I mentioned this, the the only reason why I would consider myself an experienced mule deer hunter is and where i put my level of expertise is the fact i hunt areas where literally the success rate is under five percent you know it's under five percent that i'll be successful in killing a mule deer buck but i'm not just killing a mule deer buck i'm killing a big mule deer buck so yep so when you when you actually look at that that's different i mean for me it's like it's hard to level somebody's expertise especially if a guy like let's say a guy has a ranch and he kills a big 200 inch mule deer off that every year. That's hard to measure his level of expertise because maybe he just has a better opportunity to hunt that area versus the average hunter. Right.
0: I mean, there's no maybe to it. I mean, yeah, yeah, you you put that individual on a, you know, North Idaho unit trying to get a, a a big 200 plus mule deer. It's not going to happen, man. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, um, and th- that's just
1: genetics. Like we don't. Yeah, care. yeah, yeah. We just. Mm-hmm. But they, you know. But well, I'm just talking about maturity. Like if you age these bucks, if you're killing a six or seven year old buck, you did something. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. that's that's <laughs> what. Yeah, you like those bucks. Like so, the one mule deer. I I know you're probably about ready to pass out because we're both talking late. But the one of the oh, I'm good, probably. Man. Okay, so one of the oldest mule deer I've ever killed. I wish I wish I got this buck aged. So I killed this big old sucker in 2012 and he was, he was one of those were, um, and I had to like, thankfully my brother was there to help too. But I, I mean, I, you know, I, even though I could consider myself a really good mule deer hunter, I was getting burnt out and I was like, man, like that, like I was seeing big bug tracks, but I was just, I was just not seeing them with those you know, and I was consistent in there. I was trying to, yeah, I think I was mentioning this to you. Earlier. You don't want to push him out, but at the same time, you still got to be in the area to find the big buck. Yeah. But I better just like you got to got stick to it. That big buck's gonna show up any day. And and then long story short, I killed that big sucker um, on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, and, Yeah. And he was high 180s. <sighs> and well, the one side he just had he had a crab fork on the one side, but if he if he matched up to his right side, he would have been. At 25, he's a 25 inch wide buck. He would have been a 200 inch buck oh, wow. if his, if, it, if he matched to his right side because he was amazing. deep, deep forks. He was 30 inches tall from the button to the top, and he was just he was just an old buck, like so very old. Awesome. So completely lost his coloration. So yeah, 2012 is when I killed him. Well, this gal found his sheds in 2009, and and so after she found out, she's like, "Hey, like I have the sheds to that buck he killed." And so we met, we matched up, and man, he hadn't he hasn't grown an inch since 2009.
0: No kidding.
1: So I mean, you gotta imagine how old is this buck really? Like, if he has been plateaued at this height of being like high 180s. What do you herd, think?
0: What What do you think age wise he was? Yeah, that's that's
1: a tough one. That's a tough one because I'm I'm always off. Every time I have got a deer aged, it always throws me back in my seat. I'm yeah, just yeah, like, oh, yeah. I've I've been I've been <laughs> so know. wildly
0: wrong with that that I I never mm-hmm. even try to make assumptions. But <laughs> I it, you know I know there's there's other people that I know that can they they can once they get a buck down they're like oh yeah this buck is such and such age, and yeah. and like they're always right. And so it's all it, it blows my mind because I can never do that. But you
1: know, you know, he's past maturity if he's, you know, mm -hmm. if he's gone that many years without growing, he's He's already plateaued and he's, and he he completely lost his coloration of an average bridge mule deer too. Like, you know, the mule deer have like the distinct color features. Mm -hmm. He was just like an ugly, he was just an ugly brown. (laughs) I mean, in the rut. So, you know, like I said, Thanksgiving day, deep snow, um, What else with him? Oh yeah. No hooves. Like his hooves are rubbed raw. Like there's hardly even a hoof left. And he had a pretty, a really pretty mountain lion scar. looked like a big bite right in his rear end there. Just like the perfect, the perfect teeth marks. Like it was just like, you could see where it just looked like a pair of jaws just grabbed his rear end and probably booted that sucker. Yeah. He had to, I mean, I mean that sucker has lived everything. So anyways, to get a buck like that on the ground, I mean that buck beats even like the biggest scoring buck I've killed. Mm-hmm. I mean this that big old timber buck beats them all. You know what I mean? Huh. Just from the just from the experience and yeah. just the age. It's something about killing a mature mule deer. Um, For just, sure. Yeah, it's it's For something sure else. no, it's
0: a, it's a great it's a great it's just a great feeling. Um, the. And, uh, well, now, never mind, I won't ask that, but um, what is the time frame to get through the course?
1: I say, like, a dedicated person can probably go through it in a day if he really wanted to go through it and go through all the information. But if you're like okay. me, I'm, like, the type of guy that I, I can sit down for about 15, 20 minutes, and then I start getting distracted. Me too. And yeah. so – So I'd say, like, comfortably, if it was me and I had to take the course, I'd say I could go through it. If I wanted to stop and take notes through it, it would probably take a week if you're dedicated enough. Like, maybe, like, you know, if you are have, like, a – most people aren't going to sit down a full day and, like, watch it. So they're going to have their day job and stuff. So maybe in the evening they watch 20, 30 minutes of it, jot down some notes, things they learn and then go through it. And then the one promise I can always make is that there's going to be more added to it. And to even, and to even answer your question, you brought back a little bit earlier is I'm going to actually get some other experienced mule deer hunters on the course things. So there's a, and I'm not going to give the name, but there's another guy he hunts. He actually hunts the desert country along with the sagebrush country a lot. And so he kind of perfect. And so I'm, and this guy is a muley man. And so I'm going to get information from him and, you know, and I'm going to compensate him of course, because I want, for me, I want to perfect this course. And so, mm-hmm. um, and then also too, you know, what I love about other people is I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent positive. His techniques are probably way different than mine. Sure. And so when you got two different guy experienced wielder hunters giving you that much new information that's just going to blow your mind oh
0: for sure and so is so tom it's all video based
1: yes it's all videos and so video sections and then so some of it i'll be teaching kind of like almost like you're teaching a classroom other times i'm actually picking apart a map i'm showing you on maps i'm showing lots of video you know because us in our hunting videos we have hundreds of hours of videos and so what i'm doing is i'm picking apart videos like um like for i'll give a prime example you know when we do a stuck and rut episode we're we're posting the episode for entertainment
0: right yeah, absolutely yeah
1: so i may have like it this may have taken two weeks to kill this mule deer But I have this video edited to seven minutes long. This is a seven-minute episode. We made it really easy, simplified. Sure. But if I can act – but what I do is I have all that footage still. And so I'm picking apart distinctly, like, how did we get to that point to kill that big mule deer buck? Where did it start? What type of gear did I have? Like, where did we start with with trying to put the puzzle pieces together? Because that's what it really is. Some people say hunting's a gamble. It's not a gamble. It's it's a puzzle. You're mm-hmm. putting puzzle pieces together.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: You know, there's a gamble is everybody has a shot in killing a big buck. That's not true. It's the person who is focused to put the puzzle pieces together is the guy that's consistent in pulling the big buck off the mountain every single year.
0: Exactly. And We're not talking about the lottery winners that, uh, you know, walk a hundred yards from their truck and, and, you know, happen upon a big 200 inch field. Cause you know what yeah. happens, you know, what it's never happened to me, but uh, it happens, but
1: everybody looks very, at that. Very
0: rare. It, I know. Yeah, exactly.
1: Everybody looks at that and they're just like, but at that percentage is tiny. Do you think that guy is going to – it's going to happen to him again?
0: Never. No. It'll never happen no. again. It's it's just like every September I hear the story of somebody – they, like, get out of their truck and they, they blow a bugle and some bull comes charging down towards the road and he basically shoots it on the road. Like, mm-hmm. n- no, man, that does not happen every year. That that yes. That is not a hunting strategy. That's just pure ap- absolute dumb luck that will never happen to most of us out there. Yeah. Yeah, so – this is cool man um this is really cool i i really uh i i appreciate you sharing the information did i did i cut you off were you trying to finish a a point about the course there
1: oh i don't remember no i think i think we're good (laughs) (laughs) i think like i said i can go on for hours about me
0: all day oh me too now you got me me all hyped up i'm all i'm hyped too man i'm gonna be up for two hours and it's almost midnight Oh yeah, I'll
1: probably well Mel will probably just look at maps after we're down the like, Fundax. There you go. All the all the spots I'm gonna set trail cams. This I like summer. it. I dig it, man. <laughs> yeah, I've
0: got some I've got some new trail cameras on our, on the on the way right now, so i g got, I've gotta nice. get them up as soon, But as soon as I, I gotta get over this bear hunt. I gotta finish this mm-hmm. bear season, then then we'll focus on Mule Deer and um, oh, man. I think I have the I have the elk situation fairly figured out. So um mm-hmm. No, this is great, man. That again, listeners, uh, we are at stuckintherutmuledeermasterclass.com. I will have that in the show notes if you guys want to check that out. If you get, if you're interested in learning, and and it's just like what I tell you uh, when we're talking about like the elk collective. Uh, the the most valuable piece of gear is between your ears, and and there is nothing that is going to. There's no good pack. There's no you know, crazy rifle or optics or a, a special bow or a, a magical pair of boots that are going to put you in front of more big game animals uh, that have your name on it than what's between your ears. The knowledge that you take into the field is going to be your most powerful piece of gear and your most powerful weapon. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, 147 bucks. It's it's like, you know, if, if you're serious about mule deer hunting and mule deer hunting, or I'm sorry, and hunting for big mule deer that's a no-brainer. I mean, yeah, especially that's
1: one tank. That's one take of gas now. Yeah, I was gonna say, gosh, that's, <laughs> with the
0: inflation the way it is, that's like what going to Starbucks twice. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know, but um, either way, um, Tom, I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you working with the uh, with the schedule here. I I was uh, a little late getting on with Tom. Uh, tonight with between these uh, we had these crazy storms in North Idaho that uh, tonight with uh, well by the time you guys this is live it's going to be a few days later but um, crazy thunder lightning knocking down like I had rivers coming across the road coming back from my bear spot and <laughs> trees cut falling on the road anyway it's been a crazy night so I appreciate you man
1: oh no thank you thank you for having me on.
0: Let's do this again. And um, at some point, I'm going to come up there. We're going to sit down and have a cup of coffee or something. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Thanks again.
1: All right. Take care.
0: You made it all the way to the end.